0: Hey, everybody! Thanks for coming! Let's go!
1: Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and I am the host of this podcast. Now, first of all, let me start off by saying I'm sorry. I've been trying so hard to to have a podcast every week, and I've been failing repeatedly. So it seems like 'm not gonna I'm not gonna say definitively yet but I'm saying it's probably likely that we're going to go bi-weekly from now on because I'm looking at next weekend uh, we're, we're taking a trip to Binghamton a um, lot of us and my wife and some other people we know and so it seems pretty unlikely that we'll do one next weekend I'll be totally honest with you in addition uh you know it's just I, I've been I've been toying with the idea of going bi-weekly for a while but I was like you know what there's only so few left at this point let's not but then I just haven't been able to pull it off every week so I'm kind of ashamed of myself and I'm really sorry for you the listener but I think we're gonna probably go bi-weekly. For, th- for the very least, the next show is going to be two weeks from now. Um, and I, I'll decide then. I'll tell you what. I'll decide then whether or not there will be one the following week or whether that'll be uh every two weeks will be good. Anyway, let's get right into the show. I am here with my three other co-hosts, so let me introduce them all to you. This is my little soft, little furry, gray kitten. His name is Scapey.
2: Hello, Dad. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thank you for asking.
2: Thank you. Now, this show today is a show where I don't really do a lot of stuff. So, I'm pretty much disinterested.
1: Uh, Scape, how many times do I have to tell you that on the podcast, you're supposed to be respectful of the podcast? You're not supposed to say disparaging things about the podcast on the freaking podcast.
2: Well, Dad, it's just that, like I said, I don't think I'm in anything today. Well,
1: that's not true. You're in Epic Echoes.
2: Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But that was a long time ago, so... Well, but
1: at least it's something. If it was Guard Duty on instead of Epic Echoes today, you'd be in nothing.
2: Well, okay, fine, okay, fine. But, what I mean is, I don't get to do escape a song, I don't get to do escape story, I don't get to do
1: Well, that's it, that's all you do Well, so. yeah, okay, that's all I get to do, and I don't get to do it That's not even true, because you get to sing, and there's no escape story but you do get to sing Well, okay So so I don't know why you're complaining Well,
2: because I just want to do more
1: Well, too bad, anyway um, Speaking of too bad, you turned in your assignment late Did we get your grade back yet? oh well, I don't know, did we? Well, no, we didn't Okay So, you probably failed but,
2: No, no that- well,
1: if we didn't get a grade back... Well,
2: that, that doesn't mean... No, that's not what that means. We didn't get a grade back because they're busy, probably, but I could, you know, I probably didn't fail because I did a good song.
1: How about that? How about that? Yeah. Well, I don't think you're right. Well, I think I am. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, From Scape, we move on to our next co-host, uh, Mr. Rory Sinjin. Hello, Rory. Hello, everyone. How are you today? Well, on behalf of everyone, I will say Good. Good. So, Rory, um, how have things been with you? How is the Queens Institute going well? Yes, I, I do believe we'll we'll be up and running. Probably, uh, we, we will be starting in the in the fall. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit uh, late in the spring semester to to begin this semester, but we're going to put everything in place for the fall. Um, and everything's coming along swimmingly. We have a a physical campus in Queens now that we are beginning uh, renovation work on. It's very nice, and we are firming up our you know curriculum things like that. It's going to be quite amazing. Good. Good. Um... That's very good. And for those of you who don't know, the Queens Institute for Extra-Historical Studies is an institute for extra-historical studies. It's you know part part uh, college, part you know research facility. Lots of different uh, things go on there. And seriously, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Everything the Brooklyn Institute was, and then some. You know, even better. Because when I was at the Brooklyn Institute for Extra-Historical Studies, I was thinking to myself, well, this is a lovely institute, but I think I could do things a little differently and a little better if I was in charge. And uh, you know, now I am of the Queen's Institute, because I started it with my own money. Thank you very much. And, you know, some investment money, of course. The point is, it's going to be run my way. And so that's very good. That's very good. Excellent, excellent. So, I mean, like, what kind of... I mean, are you going to do any big changes? Are you, like, huge things? Well, not... I mean, I wouldn't say huge just kind of, you know, kind of directional uh, um, things and, you know, uh, structural changes to the the, the layout of the, the hierarchy of things, you know, things like that. Um, for example, I think I told you at one point that I was doing a, a project at one point that uh, focused on taking historical events and, you know, using them to discover other realities. But, you know, there's so much more that you can do. And uh, I want to offer a wider variety of ways to study alternate realities, you know. Things based on music. Things based on, on colors. Things based on, you know, um, the, the flavor of foods. What if, you know, what if chicken tasted like beef in another universe? There is a universe that, that has this the case. That when you kill a chicken and you cook its meat, it tastes like beef. And chickens are even more popular there. Um, I mean, and, and I don't mean that beef tastes like chicken. I mean, beef tastes like beef as well. Oh, wow. That's really, I mean, I, I guess that's interesting. Does it change the world significantly? Well, I'll tell you, there's a world where it does. Change the world significantly, and there's a world where it doesn't. There's actually infinite worlds of both. So, um, there is a world where because chicken tastes like beef, Hitler wins the war. Really? How does that work? Well, it's complicated, and it's you know, I'd have to go into a lot of technical, um, extra historical. Okay, things. look, I was trying to wait. I was trying to wait till I was introduced. I'm Frank Allen. I'm the other co-host. Oh well, thanks. Well, for look, I was trying to wait. I was really trying to be good this time, but I have to stop there. Technical jargon. Well, yes, you know, extra historical terms, things that extra historians would understand, I think, better than the layman. No, there is no, there is no things, and if there are, there's because you're making up words that mean nothing to anyone but you. The point, the way that you explain extra history is by saying here's what happened, because this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Or sometimes not explaining, I guess you're right, because you did technically discover another world just now. Uh, no, you didn't, really, but by saying beef led to Hitler, you know, it's it's nonsense, and the reason that you don't want to go into the details is because you don't know the details. No, that's not why. Oh, really? Okay. So you're saying it's because there's too much technical jargon that goes into it. Too much technical jargon. Well, look. All right, I'll dumb it down. Oh, please. Here. Yes, I'd love to hear this. Well, right. What happened was this, um, you know. Obviously, first of all, let me just say that uh, in a world where chicken tastes like beef, it's not that the changes started with Hitler winning the war. You know, obviously, the the whole world is different um, from the very beginning because you know cows are very um, you know good and they have a lot of meat. But you know, if chicken tastes like beef, you know, it's, it's a lot easier in many ways to to raise and kill chickens and to to move chickens around, et cetera, et cetera. So you can have these little chicken wings that taste like beef wings. Not that beef have wings, but in this world, you know, they do in that. Okay, I think you get my point. So beef is so much more common. The beef, beef flavor, it's just very popular and there's lots more chickens. So it, the point is that it starts changing the world as far back as when agriculture began. And so the reason that Hitler wins the war is that um, it's, it's an... It's an it's an aggregate change there's there's huge changes this and that and the, you know what they what they farm is different the way that they farm is different the way that society is f- formed is different the way that countries are broken up is different you know everything is fundamentally different and so in that world hitler um isn't he doesn't even live in germany he wasn't born in germany he was born in the bahamas and you know he didn't he didn't become a dictator who who tried to overthrow the world that was uh, a gentleman named sam wysluski who was born in outer Mongolia, and he was the one who became an evil dictator, and Hitler was just really just a, uh, a foot soldier for the Jamaican army, um, and, uh, they were the ones who, who won the war and defeated Wislewski, and, um, that's, that's how, in that world, it led to it. Alright, so I rest my case. I'm sorry? The, the part about you making things up and it was total nonsense. The idea that I mean, okay, everything you said makes no sense. We could go into the details, and I could ask specific pointed questions, but because you've, the way you've got to set up is that anything you say is true. So, I mean, it's a logic puzzle, uh, which you've set up to, to win, you know, obviously. Anything you say works, uh, and there's no way to prove you wrong, because I don't have any proof of the other world. I don't have any proof that it doesn't exist. I don't have any proof that you're lying, except that I know that you're lying, and you know that you're lying, and everybody really knows that you're lying. It's just, in a court of law, it would be difficult to prove that you're lying, because it's hard to prove a negative negative, whereas it'd be impossible for you to prove that you're right. I prove that I'm right all the time. Mathematics proves that I'm right this again. If there's an infinite number of universes, it's like the infinite monkeys thing. An infinite number of monkeys typing into infinity would eventually produce Shakespeare. And just in that same way, an infinite number of universes, infinitely diverse and infinitely diversifying from a timeline, let's say for example ours, right? Going back as far as possible, would at some point produce the universe I just talked about. Now that's proof positive. That's not proof, po- that's does that doesn't it's not true. That math is faulty. That is a fallacious argument. It doesn't work. It does. I'm telling you it does work. Actually, no, no, Rory, I'm I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure that Frank is right. That is a fallacious argument. I think we've discussed this before. But it's the same with the monkeys thing. An infinite number of monkeys typing into infinity would not necessarily produce the works of Shakespeare. Well, that's not true. That I mean that that's, they have to mathematically any combina- that all the combinations would work. No, no, it wouldn't. Well, okay, here's how I can prove that. No, you can't because it's true. No, it, wait, listen, listen. All right, so you're saying that every possibility would come up, right? Yes. Because it's infinite, every possibility would happen. Right, absolutely. How about the possibility that every single monkey of an infinite number only hits the letter T all the time for infinity? Well, what do you mean? No, I mean, I'm saying every infinite... So there's an infinite number of monkeys infinitely hitting the letter T. In that case, none of them will produce Shakespeare. None of them will produce a single word. All of them will produce the letter T forever. That's just one random possibility. If, if it's truly random, that is a possible outcome. It's an unlikely outcome, but it's one possible one. Well... No, I mean, no, because they're all going to type different things. I mean, what, you know, what are the odds that one monkey is going to only hit one T? Let alone all of them. No, I know it's unlikely. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's incredibly unlikely. It's also incredibly unlikely that they'd produce Shakespeare even once out of an infinite number. But the math says that, here's what it is. The math says that if you have an infinite number of possibilities, then every combination could be done. Maybe but only if it's a, it's not, it's not if it's random, only if it's, uh, going systematically through all possible combinations. And really all that says is that you can type Shakespeare on a keyboard because you're using all the keys of a keyboard. And if you, if you go through every combination possible, yes, eventually one of them is Shakespeare. Duh. That's not very impressive, is it? No, that's what I'm saying. Whereas if it's actually random, then the random possibility that all infinite number of monkeys would only hit one letter is entirely possible. That's random, right? I mean, that's what randomness is. Just like it's, possible that you'll always flip a coin and always get heads. It's just incredibly unlikely, and it will probably never happen to you, but it's possible. All right, well, look, I don't know about that. So maybe monkeys could hit the letter T, but an infinite number for infinity will eventually. No, you're not listening to me. That's not, that's not true. It, it decreases the unlikeliness by having an infinite number because maybe they might. But really, first of all, you're using monkeys as a randomizing thing. Monkeys are, are creatures that are alive. They're not going to do a systematic randomization in which they all do every possible combination of keys. That's, that's not what's going to happen. It, it becomes more likely that eventually they will hit all combinations because you're going into infinity, but it's not guaranteed because again, they might a possible outcome is that they don't. It's just a possible outcome. But it's so unlikely. It's a little less likely because it's dealing with infinity, but which is kind of a quirky math thing because really, you know, one monkey... Uh, A limited number of monkeys for a limited number of time, it's much more likely that they won't produce Shakespeare than that they would. But with an infinite number of monkeys over an infinite number of time, it's kind of more likely that they would produce Shakespeare eventually. But it's still entirely possible that they don't. Well And in fact now that I think about it, Rory, um there's probably an infinite number of possible outcomes that don't involve them ever typing Shakespeare. Right? I mean Yes, but I mean how how likely is that? Oh 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 here's another example. Pi. What about it? Pi is infinite. It's an infinite number. It goes on forever, right? But even though it goes on forever, it never produces Shakespeare because there's no letters in it. There's only numbers in it. So even though it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever it never Produces the War Hamlet. It never, it never says, "Well, who goes there?" No, it doesn't ever do that because it's only going to be numbers. And much the same way that the universe is, even if there's an infinite number of universes, there's probably not one where I'm Spider-Man because sp- me being Spider-Man is probably outside the realm of possibility. It's probably outside of the realm of the the way that we've set up the rules. So pi is an infinite number of numbers, and I'm saying that Spider-Man is not a number in the number line that goes on infinitely. That is, okay. I'm getting a little weird. See, this is what I meant by technical well no, this is not what you meant by, this has nothing to do with what you were, t- the point is, Jordan's right, you're wrong, deal with it. Well, Jordan, I, look, I, you know, I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. Well, wait, I, no, I don't agree to disagree. I think you should agree with me. Well, I won't. So, can't we just agree to? No, I'm not, uh, no, because I'm right. Me and Frank are right, and you're wrong. So, we can't, we're not gonna agree to disagree. We're gonna agree that we're right, and you're wrong. Well, that's, I mean, I mean. If you believe that, then we are disagreeing. Uh, well, I guess that's true. So then we're agreeing to get disagree. <sighs> Fine. So anyway, uh, oh, so Frank. Uh, Frank already introduced himself. Frank Allen. Hi. How are things going with you, Frank? Oh, wait. No, no, don't tell us. Oh, come on. No, no, don't tell us. Don't tell us because it's time for the next section. <laughs> That's totally unfair. That's totally unfair. Frank, it's just a song. It's just, we do a theme song. I know, look, I know. I know. But it's totally unfair because we specifically are just coming off a segment where I'm not talking nonsense, where he's talking nonsense. I'm talking sense, and he's talking nonsense. I know, but normally you do no, talk- I don't talk nonsense. That's what, no, that's not true. Both. Okay, Rory, can you just, can we just do this segment quick? Yes, yes, we can. Um, so, Frank Allen, welcome to Apple Watch. It's time to update the world on how you are doing in your life. So, last time we spoke, it was, in fact, two Weeks ago. And you said that if you didn't get a job in the next two weeks, you were probably not going to have money for your rent. Let's see how that went. Frank Allen, do you have currently now a job? (sighs) No. Oh, that's so unfortunate. Jordan, yes, Rory, yes. In the email that we've received today, is there any email? for Frank Allen. Email for Frank No, there's no email for Frank. So Allen. there's no one offering him a job. No, unfortunately there's not. Oh, that's just unf- Now why did you say email? Because you said email. No, right, but you said it as though there was some Oh, because uh, because there was some mail for Frank. What? There was mail, it just wasn't it just wasn't an email. That's all. I mean, but we did get mail. Uh, and it did, but it didn't have a job in it. So it's kind of irrelevant. Wait, no, I want to know what you got some mail for me? What what did you get? Well, uh, I was going to save it for the listener mail, but I'll we'll do it now because I guess it's relevant. Uh we got this uh card here, Frank, um from our listeners. It's a uh Card. It's a it's a Wonder Woman card, which is wholly inappropriate since I work for Marvel and not DC. Well, I don't work for either of them. That's okay. That's true. So it's a Wonder Woman card, and it says, um, "I've had my fill of the evils of man's world. As of now, I quit." Obviously, a reference. Oh yeah, because I quit my job. Well, yes, but okay. Then you open it up. Um, And it's been signed by a large number of people, and they wrote a message here. It says, Dear Frank, it sounds like you've been going through a rough patch. It can't always be easy chasing your dreams, and there will always be naysayers. We, the listeners of Cast and Wax, want you to know that we believe in you. If there are such things as parallel universes, let us assure you that in at least one, Rory exists as a toad. Follow your dreams, Frank. You can do it. Love, and then there's a whole bunch of names here, uh, Miss Wonderful, uh, Mr. Pirate and Godzilla, Edward Jones, Spooner, Jamie Lynn, Thomas A. Edison, Helen Keller, Susie T. Gull, uh, Guten Hitler, Good Hitler, Giorgio, uh, Cleo, uh, well, Cleo's name is crossed out, Cleo Petrio, um, but it's crossed out, I don't know why. Po- Popo Rococo, I don't remember who that is, um, Cheryl Casey, and then one I, I can't quite read, to be totally honest with you. But it's a very, it's a very nice gesture, I think, on, on their behalf. It doesn't, you know, doesn't keep you in your apartment, but, um, still, it was nice of them. You can, I mean, it's a small card, So when you're moving out of your apartment, it won't add much to your, uh, you know, stuff that you have to carry. But, um, that was, I thought that was nice of them. Right, Frank? Frank?
3: (gasps) Oh. (laughs) That is, um, that is really nice. Frank, are you? (gasps) No, no. I'm okay.
1: Um, uh, thank you, guys. Uh, that was really nice of you. And, um. Frank, are you crying? No, no, no. (laughs) Um. I just, uh, I'm moved. I'm touched. Um, I'm not moved. I, I still have my stuff in my, my apartment, but I, will, I need to, I do need to take it out, um, pretty soon. So, whew. I mean, I don't, I don't have anywhere to go. So, oh, Frank, uh, you know, why didn't you go back? To- I'm not going back. I'm not going back. This is me moving forward. I'm not going back. <sighs> Fine, but now you have nowhere to live? So Well, I mean, these people sent me a card, so maybe... But they live in Binghamton. Well, some of them do. I mean, some of them live in Binghamton. Some of them live in... Presumably, Godzilla lives in Japan. Thomas Edison, I think, is in England with Rory's mother. Hitler lives in another reality, so that doesn't help. I mean, I I don't think that you're going to be able to move in with our fans. I mean, that also seems a little inappropriate. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention there's a cat paw here. So a cat signed it. I'm not sure which cat, um, but there's a cat paw. But you're not going to be able to live with a cat either, so don't... No, I don't, I don't think I can live with a cat. That's not what I'm, I was going to say, but... Well, okay, I guess if you don't think I can... No, like, I don't think that's appropriate. <sighs> Fine. Wow, so this is kind of a downer now. So you've nowhere to live. Well, I mean, no, but Rory says... That you're not moving in with me? No, you're not, because obviously I won't help you. You know, you are being ridiculous. Right, that's what I was going to say. So, I mean, Jordan, if if, uh, if at all possible. Oh, Frank. No, I'm just, because look, I just, I have nowhere else to go. Where else can I go? Right. I mean, you're pretty much my only option. Frank, it's okay. All right. You can move in with us, but only for a little while. My wife. I mean, I live with my wife. We're not, you know, bachelor pad people. You know, we are married and we're a married couple. We don't really want you living in our house for very long. You gotta, you gotta get off... Your butt and get, make this happen. I'm gonna. Oh, it's gonna ha- look. I don't anticipate it'll be much longer. Well, no, I'm saying it can't be much longer. No, but it, I'm saying it won't. So that's that's fine, but good because it can't. Okay, <sighs> Frank. No, it'll be fine. I'm I'm telling you, it'll be all right. Fine, fine. Let's let's. You know what? This is. Let's get to the shows. We got to get on with it. Right. Um, let's get to our first show. It's Epic Echoes. I think we've already mentioned that Epic Echoes is going to be on. It's a very special episode. It explains the truth behind uh, the secret history of many of the flashbacks villains, both the ones that we've heard about so far and a few that we've never heard before, in a sense. Anyway, let's get right to it. Here we are, Epic Echoes.
4: Echoes: The Backward Series, Season Four, Episode Eight, Voices of Evil, by Lynn Nelson. <sighs> Jimmy Kovac sat at one end of a table in Conference Room Three, his nose buried in several books. Something told the rest of the Flash Pack, who were breaking the fast, that Jimmy was frustrated with something. <clears throat> <sighs> Is something
5: bothering you, Jimmy? It's this report I have to do on supervillains. I can't pick a topic. Can
4: it be anything?
5: Well, it has to be on some sort of common thread that is linked to a significant number of villains. But in all these books, all I can find is location or ancestry. And those are really obvious links.
4: Molly and Keen exchanged
6: knowing looks. What? You're using the wrong books.
4: I think Slaughter might have
7: one you could use.
0: Me? Why me? Keen's the one with the six-mile-long bookshelf.
6: Yes, but you're the
8: time-turner of the group, Jill.
0: So? Oh, good call. I'll be right back.
8: I'm
5: assuming when Jill gets back, she'll be able to give me a clue. More than one, even.
0: Here you go, Jimbo.
8: The Hajile?
0: It's pronounced Hajile, the most major happening in time-turning history.
8: In supervillain history.
0: In negative 682, there was a small group
7: of six powerful supervillains who were constantly competing against each other. One of them, Malhajile,
6: had a certain, uh, quality to his voice that enticed superheroes and other good people to believe and trust him. Because of this, he was more able to defeat good and promote evil than any other villain. Natural selection, survival of the evilest.
8: The other villains were jealous. One of them, McEvil Pants stole his voice from him.
6: But voice pilfers are common among villains, so once
0: John had stolen his voice, he was immediately robbed of it too. It was a vicious cycle. In order to try and hold on to the voice long enough, a villain would steal it and immediately teleport to another time or place, usually both. They eventually caught up with each other, but it enabled the villains to hold on to the voice long enough to do some damage.
8: A voice is a damageable entity, though. It only remains whole for so long. So after a while, it started to break down and villains were only stealing a partial voice from each other. This happened until they couldn't take the voice from each other anymore, and everyone had a part of the voice permanently.
0: This long war of voice stealing was called the hajale after Mal, and that voice quality is known as the Hajale quality. Every villain descended from those six has the
6: Hajale quality. That must be so many villains. The odds of a villain having the hajale quality are 83%.
5: Wow. I never noticed that a lot of the villains we fight
8: sound alike. <laughs> Guess I'm less observant than I thought I was. Don't be hard on yourself, Jimmy. Sometimes you don't notice these things until you know about them.
5: I bet you'll notice it from now on, though.
8: So if this is such a big
5: thing, why isn't in any of the textbooks.
7: Well, those are high school textbooks. This is usually reserved for more advanced studies. People who learn about the Hajule too early in their studies tend to rely on voice identification to find bad guys. And for a while, this backlashed and lots of innocent people were killed. It's
8: a major part of villain history, but it's information to be respected.
0: You're pretty mature for your age, so we're comfortable sharing this with you. Not to mention, it'll make a pretty impressive essay. That book has everything you need to know, including voice samples and stuff. Check it out.
5: Hmm. Let's see. Dr. Vortex? (laughs) Slip into my
2: vortex of slime, superheroes. (laughs) Cool!
5: Who else is there? Let's see. Corporal Contradiction? Nice
2: try, Emperor Envy, but this is check and mate. Now I shall plunge you into the abyss of eternal life.
5: Hmm. Ooh, here's one we know. Hey,
2: let go of my necktie! You'll pay for this!
5: Oh, Vaughn Wicked. Gosh, Jill, I can't thank you enough. Thanks, everyone. It means a lot to know you can trust me with this.
4: Just as Jimmy was settling in to do some research for his paper, the conference room monitor lit up and a sort of deformed, alligator like being appeared on the screen.
9: Flashback. This is Elgor, Chancellor of Remingtonia. We have a grave situation and require your assistance.
8: Max Thornfield of the Flash Pack, Chancellor. Please make your acquaintance. What is your situation?
9: Our prince has taken a wife who is ruining operations on our planet. How soon can you get here?
6: Max glanced at Keen, who is busy on her video phone. It's legit, Max. My readings indicate a radical drop in weapons production coming from their direction. We'll be there immediately.
9: You will need to teleport to my exact location.
6: Keen? Check.
9: And every member of your pack should be equipped with earplugs just in case.
8: Molly.
4: Check. I just need his coordinates. Exactly two minutes and 47 seconds later, the Flashpack found themselves in a soundproof underground chamber on the planet of Remingtonia, the universe's number one producer of anti-villain weaponry, with its Chancellor.
9: Thank you for joining me in such a timely fashion, Flashpack. Please accompany me to the next room, where I will offer you refreshments and give you
8: your briefing. Thank you for your hospitality, Chancellor. What is your situation?
9: Our prince... Flautus has taken a new wife, Snugglepuss. Snugglepuss? What kind of a name is that? She's half Fluffy Beninian, half Poodlekin
6: from the planet Cute. Sounds pretty terrifying. It's
9: worse than you'd imagine. She can't stop baby-talking to all of Flautus's workers. And that's
5: offending the macho sensibilities your planet cultivates in its inhabitants?
9: Close, young man. The largest producer of weaponry in the universe depends on a certain level of testosterone for innovation and creation. But our men are not offended. They have succumbed to the cuteness. See for yourselves. But Put your earplugs in.
4: Elgor flipped a switch on a monitor, and the flashback watched, dumbfounded. Sure enough, everywhere they looked were piles of hideous, metal-clad, deformed gator beings snuggling, cuddling, and otherwise being affectionate. Eventually, in flipping around the planet, they came upon scenes of a fluffy young puppy-faced woman in a frilly pink dress wandering among the Remintonians. What they could not hear, thankfully, was her horrible, cuddly, watery voice. Aww,
2: what snuggly, wiggly, weirdo Who's the cutest? Westwood, what? You know you You can
0: take... The plugs
9: out now! I've turned off the monitor. You understand the gravity of the situation now, yes?
0: Your planet is virtually zapped of testosterone, and so your workers have stopped producing anti-villain weapons. Without which the villains
7: have the chance to make a big move against heroes and innocent people. To
9: top it off... Remingtonia used to produce evil weapons early in its history. Those are sealed in a vault deep underground. But if this continues, the planet will only hold evil weapons. Without anything to stop them, villains may get a hold of them and be able to do more damage.
4: So we need to somehow stop the Princess of Cute from having this effect on the workers! This is going to be difficult. We'll
7: probably need to get near her, but we'll be at a disadvantage if we can't hear what's going on around us. Chancellor, is there a way we can get by without wearing the earplugs?
9: No one has been able to resist the cuteness of her baby talk. Why do you think I'm hiding out in a soundproof chamber?
5: Say, Chancellor, do you have a list of the evil weapons you have stored here?
9: Well, yes, but what would you want with them? They're highly dangerous!
5: Just trust me. I think I know how to get to the Princess of Cute.
9: Very well. Guard, please give this young man our list of evil weapons. Just
5: as I suspected. Max, take a look at this. Hmm.
8: I know what you're thinking, Chimmy, and it would definitely work. But I don't think we should be using evil weapons. Dark magic is nothing to toy with.
7: Depends on the weapon. What are you looking at?
8: A voice pilfer. We could steal
5: the princess's voice so she couldn't affect the planet anymore.
6: I'm afraid that's a little short-sighted, Jimmy. She wouldn't be able to affect any more beings. But all these Remingtonians are deeply in touch with their cuddly, wuddly selves. Hey, Fertress, got anything in your spellbook that would make the princess sad? I think I can come up with something.
8: Molly, how do you feel about using a voice pilfer?
7: It's a pretty common weapon, Max. I don't think it would be booby-trapped or anything. Let's at least take a
0: look at it. Actually, Max, the voice pilfer was originally invented by a neutral weapons artist. It's very difficult to infuse it with evil magic. It's only considered an evil weapon because villains are usually the ones to use it.
8: Alright, well, assuming this works, we'll take her voice from her in order to approach her, and then turn her sad.
4: Oh, can't we just crush her?
8: That's plan B, Dralis. Let's see what happens if we just change her mood first. But, you know... Be ready to kick some ass and all that.
9: I'm afraid I can only let two people in the arsenal at a time.
8: Molly and I will go. The rest of you think about the second half of the plan. We'll be back soon.
4: A short time later, Max and Molly found themselves accompanied by a host of security guards deep in the evil weapons arsenal. One guard had brought them a voice pilfer.
7: Well, it looks like Slaughter was right. I'm no magic user, so we should have Fortress look it over. But it is comfortable in my hands. The only thing I'm worried about is its range. Well,
4: there's
8: no way to test that.
7: Well, there is.
8: Oh, no. You are not stealing my voice.
7: I'd give it right back. It's not like this is rocket science. There's a button that says Pilfer and a button that says Expel. How hard can it be?
8: I still don't trust this thing. Neutral weapons artists or no. Look,
7: Max, either we test it before we use it on the princess or we
4: risk missing her and maybe getting hurt.
8: Molly, this is really dangerous, though, and I'm the
10: leader
4: of- But before Max knew it, despite his protests, Molly had run to the other side of the room, set the voice Pilfer on Pilfer, and pulled the trigger. <laughs> Max was completely unable to speak, and there was kind of purplish glow around the pilfer. Awesome, it worked! This is certainly enough distance to put
7: between us and the princess. What's that? I don't understand your gestures, Max. Oh, you want your voice back, duh. Okay, here goes. Okay, Max, you can talk now. Max, you... You can't talk now, can you? Um, maybe we should go back with the others so someone can help me figure out how to
0: work this. Yeah, let's go back. No. But you first. Took you guys long enough. What's wrong, Max? You look upset. Um, uh, Molly? Why is Max not talking, but making strangling motions at you? We well, we have good news and bad news. The good news
7: is the voice for works. The bad news is I can't figure out how to give his voice back, and he can't really talk right now. <laughs>
9: Could take you to see the Elder Astro, who I'm sure could tell you, but that would put us all at risk of unwittingly running into the Princess of Cute. I recommend taking care of her first, and then we'll deal with Mr. Thornfield's voice.
7: All right, gang, I think we've got
0: to do this. Max, you'll deal with that, right? Okay, okay, we'll hurry it up. Okay, so the plan is that we'll steal the Princess's voice, and then Fertress, being the cute furry one of the group, will go distract her. When she gets close enough, he'll put a sad spell on her. Oh, I hate being a bait. Okay. Chancellor, take us to the surface.
4: Flash, pack. Flash, Flash pack. pack. Once on the surface, the pack saw what could only be described as a big cloud of <laughs> Pepto-Bismol <laughs> floating at them, humming a song. <laughs> Aww, what woody get a you are the cutest. But with her expert aim, Molly fired the voice pilfer and took the princess's voice right from her. She twirled around, panicking, her fluffy skirt poofing out until she was stopped by the sight of a tiny furry cat man looking at her with big eyes. Approaching him to pet him, she heard a quick and fell to the ground, sobbing silently.
6: Molly, I have some info. My info glasses I think might help. Go right up to her and aim the pilfer in her
0: mouth. (laughs) First spell I can find? An emo spell. So she's going to descend into some permanent adolescent whiny depression? Pretty
7: much. (laughs) That's better than an ass kicking. Hate
0: to ruin the celebration,
7: guys, but maybe we should try this on Max before he kills me. Here goes nothing.
8: Don't you ever do something like that again without my permission. That said, good job, Flashpack. I think. Flashpack, you did it. Look, the workers around her are already
9: becoming agitated at her whining and crying. They'll be back in no time. I can't thank you enough. Stop that god's
0: awful whining. Can't we make a weapon and just shut her up? <laughs>
5: Oh, hey, I just noticed. The princess of cute has the hush leg. Uh, uh, uh
8: Keep it under your hat, Jimmy. That's privileged information.
6: Hate to interrupt this love fest. My info glasses say our monitor is going off on the Marvin 2. I'm afraid we had to take our leave, Chancellor. Who is calling
4: the Flash Pack? What villain will they take on next? The answers to this question will only lead the flashback into trouble in next week's episode of Epic Echoes of Death.
1: In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devon White was Molly Singh. Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter and Worker 2. Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen. Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs. Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom. Elijah Weberhan was Dr. Von Wicked, Dr. Vortex, Corporal Contradiction, and The Princess of Cute. Jordan D. White was Worker 1. And Charles Berman was Chancellor Elgore. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Guard Murkowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you for that uh, reading of the credits. Um, anyway, uh, let's keep... Jiving in along with the show now. I, my understanding is, Roy, you said you have a, a special. You did the two another two episodes of uh, this day in history. Yes, that is true. And knowing that that episode of Epic Echoes was going to be on, I did a very special thing. So perhaps you'll enjoy it. I hope I will. All right. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory St. John. On February 15th, 1965, in accordance with a formal proclamation by Queen Elizabeth II of England, the new Canadian national flag is raised above the Parliament Hill in Ottawa, the capital of Canada.
8: Good day, Doug. It's so good to have our own flag finally. Much better than that beer and hockey stick we originally designed, eh? I agree, eh? I think the best way to honor this, eh, is to make a big bonfire so everyone can see it, eh? What do you think, eh? All around the boot, they'll be saying, What a great flag you guys have, eh? Let's go get drunk and play hockey and prevent forest fires by dousing our campfires in water, eh? Whatever you say, eh? (laughs) Viva la rush!
2: Oh no, that was beer, eh? The whole place is on fire! What's that hoser talking about? Oh no!
1: Run! And of course, it was that day that the entire country of Canada did burn down, uh, a day that we mourn every year on February 15th, uh, Canada Destruction Day. You're listening to WHRW, beamed. Hello, this is WHRW Binghamton, my name is Rory Sinjin, and you're listening to This Day in History. On February 22nd, 1946, George Kennan, the American charge d'affaires in Moscow, sends a 8,000-word telegram to the Department of State detailing his views on the Soviet Union and U.S. policy towards the communist state. Let's hear it.
5: And that's the 48th reason why I believe communism is bad. Moving on to the 49th reason why I believe communism is bad. Ooh. Potatoes, I think, definitely. Truly the root of all evil. As to further reasons, number 50 really is just a repeat of number 18, bad (laughs) breath. And number 51, it's frankly unsafe to drive in St. Petersburg. I mean, really, you're going along in your cart or your potato wagon or your automobile and somebody doesn't look where they're going and then you have a crash and if you're not wearing your safety belt well then you're dead in a foreign nation ruled
1: by communists and it was soon after that the united states launched its uh, assault on communism attempting to crash as many cars in the soviet nations as possible in order to kill communists you're listening to whrw Binghamton. but hang on there eh duh my name's Roy Singen and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And I'm here to reveal the truth that that disastrous ending was actually the work of American secret agent George Lazerman. Laserman, whose voice I should add, did have the Hegile quality, was a notorious American secret agent and America would send him into countries when they wanted it utterly destroyed. His method of destroying countries would use misinformation. He would go into that country and spread lies in the guise of public service announcements that would actually be bad. For example, he went into Canada and told them that they should build bonfires and douse them with water but then would secretly replace the water with beer so that alcohol would be put onto fires. In fact, he did the very first one himself causing a giant forest fire which caused Canada to be destroyed which led to Canada Destruction Day which we now celebrate once a year. In addition, he was the agent that they sent into Russia to star in these incredible infomercials in which they would say things like Hello, my name is George Lazerman American superstar and I hate wearing seatbelts. Seatbelts are so uncool, man. And things like that. And the Russians would go Oh, I don't want to be uncool I want to be cool like George Lazerman. And so they would unclick their seatbelts right then and there when they heard that on the radio Get into comics and shortly thereafter fly through the windshields and die until eventually lots and 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 lots of Russians die. And America won the Cold War. Now you're probably wondering how it is that such a good person who is helping America could actually have the hegeli quality and actually be evil. And that's because America does the wise thing and puts evil people to good use. They find out who's evil and say, what can we think that would be evil for them to do that would actually be for the greater good. And America's always right, as you know. So, in some ways you should be like George Lazeman, you know, do the bad thing for the right reason instead of the wrong reason. But in the other ways you shouldn't because don't douse forest fires with beer dust them with water, and don't not wear your seatbelt. You should wear a seatbelt, because you could get in a car accident. So, thank you very much. My name is Roy Stingin, and this is Wow. Are They Now in History on Casting wax? Ah, that was quite clever. Very good. I like that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, let's just keep, you know, ramming through everything. Uh, we do have, Frank, you, you did a uh, Frank Allen interview today? Yeah, kind of, yeah. What, what do you mean, kind of? Well, it wasn't really an interview. It was a, Well, you'll see. I mean, it was an investigative... You, you'll see. You'll see. Okay, let's get right to it. Frank Allen interview. Starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. Uh, Well, typically we do call this Frank Allen Interviews, although this is not going to be so much an interview as it is an investigation. Uh, I thought I would uh, do a special investigative report inspired by the holiday of Valentine's Day, which just passed very recently Uh, and uh, I, you know, it it may not, uh, you may not be aware, but I don't have a significant other at this time so I thought, uh, well, that was kind of a depressing holiday. So, I thought, well, how about I do an investigative report on the subject of this Online dating thing that people seem to be doing now a lot. Um, I thought, uh, let's see what kind of things we can uncover about it. What's it like? You know the ins and outs, and that's what I've done. Uh, now I won't be telling you the name of the online site I used because um, they would not let me use their uh, service for free in return for uh, talking about them in this report. So you know, fine. If they don't want to pay for advertising. That's fine. Then I will not advertise them. But uh, just let it be said, it's a it's a highly reputable so to speak, online dating service, and uh, that's what I use. So I signed up, I paid for it myself, credit card debt, um, and um, it has you do a video. I I had to get uh, some help on this one, but I did do a dating video, um, and so first I'll play that for you, um, but then you'll see the results. So here's my dating video.
11: Hello ladies, my name's Frank Allen,
1: and I am a host. I'm not uh, a host of anything you've probably seen at this point right now, uh, but I am a show host I do a, a show called Frank Allen interviews and uh, well I'd love to interview you uh, both as part of my show and also you know as as part of my personal life I mean uh, I, I guess they don't really call them interviews they mostly call them dates but I I could do that um, and you know we could record it but we don't have to record it is the thing uh, we could just go out on a date um well let, let's talk about the things I like well like I said I'm a host so I like doing interviews I like doing investigative reports I like uh, uh, hosting functions, if you have any functions that you'd like hosted, um, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to hire me, I mean, if you, if, I, if we're dating especially, I'll host something free. free. Um, not that, you know, not that you should date me so you get a free host, but what else do I like? I like, um, you know, I'm a media enthusiast. I like uh, the media. I like being part of the media. I would like to be a bigger part of the media, but I do like, in general, the media. And I'm, I'm sure I would like you too. I mean, well, I, I, I mean I'd have to get to know you. Do You have a video? I mean, presumably you have a video, so send me your video. And uh, or you know you don't have to. I, whatever. The point is like uh, you know Valentine's
11: Day passed, and I'm just right, lonely. Only for, and I'm
1: really depressing. No, but uh, that's not the point. That's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is you and me. Uh, so okay, who am I looking for? Well, I'm looking for a woman. Well, um, first off, let's just get that. Out in the open, uh, and I'm hoping that a woman who likes the media, preferably who likes, you know, hosts of things, because I, I think you know, because I, because I said I am one. Um, I'm currently between jobs. I guess I should say that I don't. I'm not right now. I'm not professionally a host, but I'm on my way to becoming professionally a host. I'm currently between jobs, but I'm on my way to becoming a host. Anyway, look, I, you know, if you if you'd like to get together. Now Drop me a line uh, either through this service or you can email me. My email is um, castinwax at com. I don't check that email myself. I don't go on the Internet all that much, but uh, it'll get to me. It'll get forwarded to me. And um, what else? What else? Well, uh, that's about it. So I'm sure uh, that's a good sell for me. Uh, you are probably interested in me at this point. And um, gosh, I don't know. I guess that's it. Is that it? we stop i guess we'll stop all right uh, thanks and i'll be seeing you soon hopefully when you call or email because that's yeah all right so that was my video and uh now i'm sure first of all let me just get out of the way that if you're hearing this now you know it's not it's not on here as part of the dating service so if you heard that and were like oh i'd like to date that guy i mean that's not why i played it you can probably still you know, if you really want to, you can still probably email me, but uh, that's not why I played it. I played it to show you that's what the women on the site saw, and, uh, you know, I got I got a response, so that's good. I mean, I was, well, I thought I'd get more, but I only got one. So, first of all, maybe that just goes to show that the efficacy of these online dating sites is not as high as you'd think, because obviously a Quality quality person who has a lot to say, you'd think they would get a decent response. So, alright, I didn't. So, obviously, there's not, maybe there's not as many women. They they advertise that they have a lot of women on the site. Not in a prostitute-like way. I mean, that makes it sound gross if it, if I say they they advertise they have a lot of I mean, you know, they say, well, we have a high ratio of, a of, uh, higher ratio than, anyway, the point is, look, I would have expected more. They must have been lying. But, I did get one. That's the good news. Um And you're probably wondering, you know, what's that all about? How did it, uh, how did it go? Did you go on a date? And the answer is, well, yes, I did. And it, it I did record it. I mean, I didn't tell her I was going to record it, but I figured, well, let's, you know, let's record it. Cause I am, cause I'm a journalist. Cause I'm an investigative journalist. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll record this for, you know, not really for posterity. I mean, I thought I might use it on the show. Right. So anyway, let's, uh, let's cut to the clip.
11: Is that... Are you Frank? Are you Frank?
1: I am, yes. No, I am Frank Allen. Are you...
11: Francine. Yes, I am Francine. How are you doing today?
1: I'm I'm great. Uh, I, you found the place all right? Oh,
11: yes, yes. No, it was no problem. I found it. Uh, no trouble at all. And uh, it's very pretty in here, here so... Uh, Should I sit? Oh, yeah, no, please. Of course. Yes, please. Have a seat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's, this is a nice place. I'm very n-
1: glad you chose this place. It's very nice. Oh well, thank you. No, I... I it's, it's a place I, I like. When I... You know, I don't Go out to eat a lot right now, but uh, when I when I do, oh, you don't?
11: What, why is that?
1: Well, I, because um, well, right now I don't have as much uh, money as I as I used to, but I have some. I mean, tonight I'll be all right you know, just don't, obviously don't get the lobster. Oh,
11: no, no, I, well, I
1: wouldn't, no. Good, no, I mean, yeah, right, good. Uh, but, but no, this is a place I like. So. Well, I,
11: I can see why, it's very nice. So your name is, is Francine? Yes, Francine Allen. Well, I mean, you
1: gotta see that's weird, because my last name is Allen, too. No, I noticed that, but yours is with an E,
11: right? Mine's with an A. A L L A
1: N Oh, okay, yeah, so that's, obviously they're different, and we're not, because obviously we're not related.
11: That would be, that would be, be, we, that would be right. quite strange. <laughs> yeah. But no, we're not.
1: Yeah, what. Well, would. Um, okay, so, uh, no, please, tell me about about yourself, you—you you got to see a video of me. I didn't actually see a video of you, but I was—I was very happy to hear from you. Uh, tell me a bit about yourself, and—and and why you were interested in me.
11: Oh well, I was interested in you uh, because you said you were a host, and uh, hosts are interesting. I
1: agree. I think hosts are. Uh, fast
11: enough. I've always uh, wanted to date a
1: host. Well, right now you, I mean, I, maybe I, that's a little presumptuous to say you're dating. I mean, we're on a date. Well, we are on a date, yes. So dating is, I mean, in a way. Oh, oh,
11: but you're not actually a host, yet, right?
1: Well, I, do, I host part of a podcast. Well. No, I, but it, I think that counts. I mean, part of a podcast. Frank Allen interviews, and we, we had former shows that we did, uh, Tractor Fiction. I mean, the point is I hosted them, so. Well,
11: okay. I know that's, I mean, that's very close, so it, it, I guess it
1: counts. It does count. Okay. But no, you, but you were going to tell me about yourself, you you were just, you were talking about me and I, you know, that's fine, but I wanted to know about you. What what do you do for a living? What do you... Well, I'm a manager
11: at a fast food restaurant. I know it's not much, but it it pays the bills.
1: No, Um, but I mean, okay, if that's that's what your dream is, then... Well, no,
11: I mean, (laughs) my dream, no, that wasn't my dream. My dream was to be a singer but but I you know this is what I settled into and uh, I, it was making me money I, I mean, what else could I do quit you know? well you could oh well I, no
1: but I mean you know if that's your dream well it's,
11: I think it's a little unrealistic I, not everybody becomes a singer especially this late in life you know I think I've I've, I've missed a lot of
1: my opportunity no 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 it's never no It's never too late, because if you quit that job... Well, I'm not going to quit my job. No, but if you... But if... I'm saying, if you quit your job, then, you know, who knows? You you, you won't know what kind of opportunities you'll get unless, they. um... In, unless they, that you have to. Oh, Hello yes. there. Yes. How are you doing? Are, are you guys ready to
11: order, or do you want to do drinks? Do you want to order drinks? Yeah. No. We can. I think we can do drinks. Um, yeah. No. That would be nice. Do you have a wine list? Yes. Of course, we have a wine list. Here, uh, let, me, let me get it. Well, I'm sorry. You know, know, you're supposed to have all the
1: wine. Well, no. I, I don't think we'll. No. I don't think we could um, do that. No. No. No wine list. No. No. I, mean, no, I just. Well, it's just wine. Well,
11: I, I mean, I was hoping for some wine. But I know. I won
1: It's just a little expensive.
11: Well, you know what? That, that's fine. The wine will be my
1: treat. Oh, excellent. Let me let me go get the. That's that's very nice of you. That's uh, seriously that's that's too much almost.
11: Well, if you well
1: almost. I mean, I, like I said, I can't. I mean,
11: I I don't think I can afford to, to buy it. Okay. Well, no, I, that's fine. I can I can buy it. It's okay. Like I said, I'm a manager, so I can afford some nice
1: things. Well, I, I mean, that's good. No, I mean, okay. Maybe, so maybe you don't want to quit your job. That's fine. But some people need to pursue their dreams, and that's where, um, you know. That's where. I, that's why I do this podcast, actually, to 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 build up a repertoire, if you will, of of excellent reporting and investigative uh, things. Here you are. Here's the list.
11: Oh, ex- oh, Oh, actually, you know what? This one right here. This is my favorite. Oh, that's our finest brand. That's an excellent choice. Oh, wow. That's are
1: you should. Sure? That's really expensive.
11: Well, it's my it's my favorite. Like I said,
1: I'll bring it right out. Perfect. Wow. No, but uh, that's. I mean, seriously, that's a lot of. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't insist that you paid for that.
11: So you can pay No, I mean, I can't, no, I can't pay for it. All right, no, then then I'll pay for it. It's fine. Okay, no, I'm just, I'm saying that's, that's really expensive. Look, I have it all the time, so... You have it all the time? How could you possibly have it all the time if you're a manager at a fast food restaurant? Look, it's... It's my favorite, so I make time for it. That's. What do you mean by all the time, like once a month. No, I or, have it whenever I want. Like multiple times a week. I mean, come on, how could that be possible? Because I do. Look, it's. I don't. I don't see what the problem here is. I don't have a problem. I'm just saying. Here that. you are. Here you are. Oh, excellent
1: for you, sir? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. If it's that expensive, I want to know what it what it tastes like. Well,
11: so. you're not going to pay for it, though. Well, I, no, but I mean, I okay. I won't. have... Then I won't. Have, fine, I won't have it. But all I'm saying is, look, I'll just leave it right.
1: Yes, no. All I'm saying is that that's I, that's a lot of money. I mean, how could you? I, I look. I wasn't a manager, but I worked at a fast food restaurant. Well, there's a big difference. No, I'm just, but I don't. How could that? I don't think that that's possible. I don't think that you could possibly afford that. I, you know, in fact, I can I see. Your, your records? Can I see your financial records? What? No, because, that's, no. Well, I'm just, because I'm saying that that, I don't see how that's possible. And I, you know, have a sneaking suspicion that if I check your records on the records of the store... What are you trying to say? Well, I think you know. I think you know what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that there's gotta be something fishy going on. I don't, I want, I don't want to use the word embezzling, oh. but I, but I don't know what I, I mean. Oh. Other than oh. that, you could call it robbery, but...
11: Oh. Uh, that, I, I, you know, uh, that isn't, that is too much. Well, no, I'm, look, i
1: look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just no, saying. No, forget
11: it. I'm, i am leaving forget it no but you can't leave no uh, that's that is it that is it goodbye no uh, goodbye that is it forever. forever i guess uh all right i guess that's the end of that oh i'm sorry sir you're i'm you're gonna have to pay for that wine no but i didn't order that wine well sir i'm sorry it's been opened and you're gonna have to pay that's ridiculous i don't sir i'm gonna have to insist oh come on all right here's here's my card thank you
1: So, okay, what we have here is a triple expose. First of all, dating sites lie about how many women are on there, obviously. Only one response. I mean, come on. Second of all, I've exposed this restaurant as clearly having unfair business practices. I didn't order that wine. She did. I think I pretty explicitly said I was, didn't want to buy wine. I didn't even drink it. She drank it. I mean, I ended up drinking it when I had to pay for the bottle. But before that, I, w- I didn't drink it. So unfair business practice. Third of all, uh, this woman is embezzling. I Again, I, I shouldn't use that word. But I mean, what again, what else can you call it? She, there's no way she made enough to buy that on a multiple time a week. I mean, unless she unless she's independently wealthy, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess that's possible. But st- still, I'm going to go with a triple expose. Uh, so triple expose, first time on Frank Allen Interviews, triple expose. Thank you very much for listening. And again, if you have any leads on a job, if you're interested in me doing a triple expose for you on your network, if you're a network executive of some sort, please uh, email me at castinwax at gmail.com. And I will do for you what I just did for this podcast. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time on Frank Allen Interviews. Good night. Frank? What? I can't believe you. You're ridiculous. You're a completely ridiculous human being. No, what? what? I thought that was a good investigation. No, it wasn't. First of all, yes, no, it wasn't. He's right. Second of all, you're spending money on things like that when you don't have money for your apartment. I was because... Look, you have to... There's a... There's a rule that we've discussed before, and it's about you have to spend money to make money. I have to do good shows like that. That wasn't a good show. but, yes, well, it was. But I have to do good shows like that in order to be able to show people that I can do good shows, and then in order to, you know, get hired to do other shows, and then I make money. But it costs money to make a show like that. But it was
3: a terrible show. It wasn't a terrible
1: show. It was. No, it was because, first of all, the whole idea is... Ridiculous. But second of all, you had three lessons at the end. Three exposes, as you said. They were all f- f- wrong. They weren't all wrong. They, I put my ad up there and I only got the one response. Because
10: you weren't very interesting. Because it wasn't a very good video. Because you didn't,
1: you didn't make yourself sound interesting. You practically were applying for a job in the video and it was ridiculous. No, no, that's not, no, that's not true. Because that's the kind of thing that I would have wanted to hear. You are an idiot, though. Nobody else wants to hear that. Well, okay, No you're wrong. But then I got to the restaurant. But you, it's your fault. It's all your fault. All of it. All three of those things is your fault. How is it my fault that she's embezzling? You don't know that she's in, that, that, Jordan, please. You don't know that she's embezzling, Frank. You were just saying that. There's other possibilities. You even said one of them. What if she's independently wealthy? What are the odds that somebody who's independently wealthy is going to be working at McDonald's? Or whatever fast food place she worked at. That's true, but the but it's a possibility. You have no backup. That's why I asked to see her financial statements. She's not going to show you her financial statements. You are... Rory, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do this. Well, then, all right, I'll do it. You are an idiot, Frank. Because it was your fault. You insulted her, and then she left you with the bill that she was going to pay for the wine, but now she's not paying for the wine, so it was all your fault. You were a boring video, you accused her of something that you had no idea about, and then made her leave. It's all you. All that you've done is a triple expose on yourself, making yourself look like a bad host. You paid money to make yourself look like a bad host, and now less likely to be hired by a company to make shows. You're you're a failure, and you're doing it to yourself. (sighs) Well, all right. If that's the way you feel. That is the way I feel. It's the truth. And I think that's the way everybody feels. Anyone who's listening probably feels that same way. I mean, these people who did this card, this is a very nice card, but they all know. I mean, they feel bad for you. That's why they're sending you a card. But I think they know that it's your fault. Well, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, it was a very supportive card. Let me me see. It says... And it says you're a toad, which I like. No, it says... It doesn't say I'm a toad. No, it says in another universe, at least one other universe, you're a toad, which is true, right? Well... (laughs) You know, Uh, this According to your faulty mathematical logic, there there has to be true. Well, no, Frank. According to his faulty mathematical logic, there has to be an infinite number of universes where he's a toad, actually. That's true. Well, no, uh, Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. There's an infinite number of universes where I'm a toad. There's an infinite number of universes where every single person here is a toad. There's an infinite number of universes where I rule the world. And there's an infinite number of universes where you are a male prostitute. No, but that's not new. Look, it's... But these are irrelevant facts for they don't affect our world so i don't see why i'm saying this is a supportive card it's not a there will always be naysayers it says and i think that is you but they hadn't heard this episode yet so you know i think that when they hear this they'll probably want to write in and say you know i'm sorry i take back my support they're not gonna say that that's ridiculous They, they might you know that like i said that was a complete and utter failure of an episode well you're a jerk and I think we should do jerkwash and it should be about you. <laughs> yes, you're right. So, you know, steal more ideas from someone, why don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, guys, I think, uh wow, we have another show to do. So let's do another show now. Yeah. Why don't we? Right. It's, uh, it's like daughter. And uh, let me tell you. It's the second to last episode. Um, there are, there are fewer episodes of Like Daughter, I think, than any show. Yeah, than any show that we do. So it is the one that's going to be ending first. Um, but this is the second to last episode. We're getting very near the end. Are we going to find out the truth behind Cask? I just, I don't know. Well, I do, but I'm not going to tell you. Let's listen.
12: Episode 10, The Heart of the Maze by Guinevere Eckert. After a quick stop at the Darling family residence to drop off Pandora Darlings, comatose and cuffed, former best friend Tabitha Wentworth, Pandora and Bobby drove Pandora's mother's blue Pontiac off of a cliff. The cliff wasn't so much a cliff as a ridge, and Pandora and Bobby had, of course, gotten out before it was over. They hurried back to the darling house, and Pandora put on her best hysterics act, for the law enforcement officer on the other end of the line.
4: Well,
9: send someone over right away to check it out, ma'am.
12: Send
4: someone over? Why? I gave you the information. Oh, my mother's going to kill me. I can't believe I left the keys in the ignition. I was only running in the house for a second. New
9: policy, ma'am. You're at the Darling residence, correct? We'll have someone out there right away.
4: New policy? Bobby, we're going to have company! What?! Apparently the cops have a new policy under which they have to send someone over to investigate the scene of the crime. How is she?
12: Tabby was laid out on Pandora's bed, still cuffed and gagged and starting to twitch.
10: She's been mumbling some stuff, but I can't understand anything with the gag on. Would it be okay if- Absolutely not! The cops are on their way over and we
4: don't need her to come to and start screaming. But
10: I didn't scream and thrash when you brought me around.
4: You had been under the influence for less amount of time, and you had different code words.
10: Yeah, right. What was that about? out. Code words. But, wait, you said yours didn't work? Pandora, what are you not telling me? Alright, everyone. Hands where I
1: can see them. What
12: the? Six police officers burst into Pandora's bedroom.
1: Pandora, darling. Yes? You reported a stolen car. Yes. Perfect. Cuff her, boys. What? Him too. Hey!
4: I demand to know what is going on!
1: Who's in the bed? Why are you doing Who is in the bed?
12: The man pointed his handgun right at Tabitha's unconscious head.
4: She's my cousin, Tabitha. She was visiting and she fell and hit her head while I was calling you. We couldn't call the ambulance because you were coming over and I thought it might be a little bit suspicious, you know, if you were to show up and we weren't here anymore.
10: I carried her up here to wait, but then she started screaming and thrashing in her sleep and we were worried she'd attract the neighbors
1: or even bite her tongue out, so we gagged her. Right, and where did you get such nice handcuffs? Oh. Well, you know. What? Oh, right. Um, Jackson, call an ambulance. Come on, you two. We're going for a drive. But
4: my car was stolen! Why am I being arrested for being the victim? You didn't even read us our rights! Way
1: to keep up with the time, kid. Mr. Brett, the mayor just signed a series of new statutes giving us, the police force, the freedom we need to get our jobs done. No more red tape, no more silly warrant requirements, and most importantly... Wait, just wait, you
10: stuttered.
4: Bobby, I know you think you have some experience here, but correcting a police officer's speech is not the thing to do in a situation like this.
10: You said Mr. Brett, the mayor. Our mayor is Mr. Wilson. Come to think of it, no one in the entire carousel government has a name that begins with a B.
4: How do you even oh my
10: god it makes sense though mayor wilson had a stroke while you were uh, recovering two days later all these police reforms are issued starting with the call for private officers government members rarely issue new statutes while hooked up to an
4: iv don't ever believe you don't deserve a police force just because you can't afford to train one jason brant so much for working for the little guy
1: marshall call in and have the psych ward on standby oh so jason brant isn't signing documents in the mayor's name look kid an insanity plea really isn't going to get you anywhere Why don't you just-
12: Mom? All six police officers looked in the direction that Pandora had yelled. The second that their heads turned, Pandora and Bobby shook off their handcuffs, dropped their lockpicks, and ran. They leapt hedges and ducked behind fences. Lucky that there were enough of them to deter any of the well-fed officers' bullets.
4: What about Dabby? We can't do anything for her. Now, she'll be safe in the hospital. Where are we going? There.
12: Charles Kane met Pandora and Bobby at the door of the Carousel Academy School of Karate. He ushered them into a back room where he apparently
13: lived and locked the door.
4: We... I have a problem.
13: What on
10: earth happened to you two? The police are after us. Again or still?
4: Jason Brent has been running things from Mayor Wilson's seat. Oh, no. I know.
10: I can't believe this. He was always so diligent in promoting equality and helping out the underdog. Now he's got lackeys. You
13: guys have bigger problems than that right now. Like what? Check out the security screen. That's how I saw you coming. It looks like we've got more company.
10: Oh, no.
4: It's Mr...
13: Nielsen. Quick, this way.
12: With the sound of pounding fists in the background, Chuck Kane led Pandora and Bobby over to a small closet. Pushing the clothes aside, he revealed a small safe. He opened it and punched in yet another code in a digital keypad. The left wall of the closet slid back. Revealing a tunnel, the three ran in and disappeared right as bullets shattered the front windows
13: of the dojo.
4: Chuck, where are we going?
13: Ask questions later. Right now we need you to live.
4: Right. Did
13: you ever find your father's body? What? Your father, did you find him?
4: I thought we weren't asking questions now.
13: Did you open the urn?
4: Yes. Why?
13: Run faster. The tunnel wound down under the city, lit
12: here and there by small yellowed light bulbs. At one point, it seemed to join with the sewer system, but Bobby couldn't be sure. What he could be sure of was that Chuck was slowly falling back in the
13: chase, until he was level with Bobby. Bobby, you need to promise me keep her alive. At all costs, you must keep Pandora alive. But what about you? Aren't you going to help us? Just a precaution, Bob. Should anything happen to me, you need to keep her alive. Nielsen wants Pandora dead, and that can't happen. This tunnel comes out under the school. Phil has a hideout down there, one of the janitors. Janitors? Precautions had to be taken to make sure that your school remained a safe environment. Anyway, give him this disc. If all goes well, we'll be on a plane to get the two of you some plastic surgery and new social security numbers within the hour. New
10: identities? But what about my mom? I am I'm so dead. She must be so worried by now.
4: Bobby, please wait until we're on the plane to freak out. Otherwise, you really will be. Ah! Chuck leapt at Pandora from behind,
12: knocking her forward out of the way of a small explosion. He recovered, grabbed her by the shoulders, and shoved her along the tunnel towards an old wooden door. That's
5: right, Kane. Run.
12: Through this door and to the left.
13: Hurry.
4: The lock's rusted. Bobby, do you have any more lockpicks? No, but I have a hammer. What?
10: I picked it up at Mr. Kane's place, just in case we needed to fight or something. Think of it as a really big set of lockpicks.
5: Nice try, Chuck. Give it up, Nielsen. You can't have her. Oh, really? Because last I heard, when the big man makes up his mind, it happens. The Almighty One sent me to take her into custody. She's to go straight to the top today, no more mucking around in the lower levels. She got away from me once and it almost cost me my rank. I will not be demoted to a mere cleric because of you.
4: So this is all some sort of Christian conspiracy? Christian conspiracy? Psh!
5: Christians absolving sinful kindnesses is just a hobby. My personal faith has nothing to do with my day job. Pandora, run. But what about you? Bobby, I gave you a mission. Go. Why even bother, Chuck? You know I'll win in the end. Tell me, Pandora, did you find your father? Go! Bobby, holding Pandora by the hand, tore down the tunnel. And I suppose you're going to keep me from going after them. Why, yes, Nielsen, I am. And how will you do that?
13: Karate? (laughs) Not exactly.
12: Chuck opened his jacket to reveal a rather impressive explosive device counting down on his chest. Oh, Christ. Pandora and Bobby heard shots fired far behind them and felt the ground shake. Another ten minutes of running brought them to a dead end and another door which opened upon their approach. Well, how about that? Long time no see, guys. What's
10: going on? ouch oh god Bobby so Pandy did you ever find your father
12: what is going on is Chuck Kane dead is Mr. Nielsen dead is Bobby soon to be dead why is everyone so interested in Pandora's father what is Jason planning will cask win Learn the answers to these final few questions in the Spine-Tingling Series Finale, Regeneration.
1: In that episode of Like Daughter, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kutzman and the cop were Jordan D. White, Mr. Nielsen was Daniel Schwartz, Chuck Kane was Joe Rude Coppola, and Jason Brandt was Elijah Webberhan. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Roy. And we are just, we just got to race along to the end of the show. So, uh, Scape, it's time for you to sing your little ditty for this episode. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, I thought so as well. What? When? The, that was. I the, said
2: first. Then I have to the second. Oh.
1: Okay. Well, then keep going.
2: Then Frank Owen was like, I did a good show when we were.
1: Um, Frank never died. Well, I was taking a creative liberty. Very nice, Scape. Uh, you know, God. But we have to keep running along, guys. We have to keep moving along. We're almost done with the show, and we gotta, you know, get out of here. So, it's time for our listener mail, which we all want you guys to all write into. Uh, we, already list- read, uh, we already read the card that was sent to us. That was very, very nice of you guys to send us that card. Please send us more stuff. We like stuff. Um, in addition, here's an email we got. Uh, it is from someone who also actually signed the card. But let's get right to it. Uh, Frank, would you read this? Uh, yeah, sure. It says... Hello! There's a lot of O's, and there's also a lot of O's here. So, I was listening to the episodes of the podcast, and you requested listener mail with uh, recipes that I like to cook. And I was like, oh my god... How perfect, because I don't know if you know this, but I was a guest host on a cooking show with my girlfriend Cleo. So, anyway, I thought I would give you some really easy-to-follow instructions for your amateur chefs out there if you don't mind. Oh, of course you don't. So let's start with my favorite, it's a delicacy, microwave popcorn. Now, first you have to open the package, and then you open it. Now, you see where it says this side up and this side down, well, you put this side down. down. And make sure it's open. And now some people have a little button here that says micro popper, and you push that button. For those of you who don't have the micro popper, you'll just have to figure it out for yourself. Uh, next week, I send you another recipe for something that involves lots of steps in preparation. Cereal. So until then, this is Giorgio signing off. Well, thank you, Giorgio. That was very nice of you. Um, I'm a little... I don't think I followed those instructions, to be honest with you, because that was kind of complicated. Also, I was kind of following along in my head. I was trying to do the... In my head, because I don't have any popcorn with me. But if you open the bag, won't all the popcorn spill out? I mean, right? Well, it's I don't a, know if... Maybe he meant not open, but open like this. What, well, first of all, we're on a podcast, so nobody can see what you're doing. Well, I mean open like like... Pushed because fl- it's usually folded. No, but he said, "Open it, open it." Very emphasized that which is like you know you open the bag and then all the popcorn is gonna. In fact, then while it's cooking, like it, it'll pop out and your microwave will be full of popcorn. Huh, that's a good point. So I don't know if I follow. Maybe I, maybe I, you know it's probably my. It's probably my mistake, Giorgio. because you obviously were guest host on a cooking show, but you knew what you're doing. But I, in my head, I couldn't—I just couldn't make that work. So, but we do want some more email, so please write into us: castinwax at gmail.com, Castinwax at gmail.com. Or you know, you can write into us uh, physical mail if you'd like to, but uh, you know, that's a, that's a se- separate thing. I, this is a very nice card. It is, and I will be. Uh, I, I'll you know, I'll just leave it here, Jordan, since I'll be bringing my stuff over soon. You don't have a lot of stuff, do you? Well, I have some stuff. Well, okay, just not just not too much, right? Well. I mean, it's gonna be everything I own. Well, yeah, but you're gonna sell some of it, right? Well, I've already sold a bunch. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, let's, whew, let's get on with it. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. And, uh, oh, up, up next is a ukulele version of Waxwork theme E, as I'm sure you could have guessed from Waxwork theme E being at the beginning. It was a lot of fun to record. So hopefully you'll dig it. Be seeing you.
3: Itself, but left itself preserved inside an endless waxwork. When nothing moves at all, it's just an endless waxwork. In waxen figures frozen as they used to be. It'd freak you out if you were still alive to see. It's just an endless waxwork. Slow, slower than a crawl, it's just an endless waxwork. An endless wax work when nothing moves at all it's just an endless wax work.
1: On the next episode of Cast in Wax on Guard Duty. The remaining team suffers a terrible blow Last
12: night, Mr. Fahrenheit Quit the guard upon his removal As our press secretary
7: So, we're here to throw a party? I'm
12: afraid not It seems Mr. Fahrenheit has agreed to sell his story To
1: Ron Riley in the Password
12: That's hi. Hi. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Hi, everyone, please
1: While on debatatorium the debate rages on between evolution and science. Science is something that was created by people in the government
12: in order to muddle our minds and clear us all away from getting at truth. And I believe in truth over science, which is why I'm for evolution. Plus two days in
1: history are revealed.
4: Jack, are you taking those random pills again? No, you're
5: going to keep taking it, because I say so.
1: And on Scapy Stories, the second act of Hamlet is enacted. All this and more is coming your way on the day March 8th and only on waxwork.com. As far as I know. No, I'm pretty sure. It's just on this one site. All right, I'll take your word.